This is what the love of God begins to do. You see, law says you have to. Love makes you say, I get to. You hear the difference? In other words, if you're, if, you're, if you're told over and over again, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do that. I mean, you don't feel like doing it when you have to do it. You know what I mean? But when you just realize you want to do it, there's a freedom about doing it. I always remember when I was a kid back in California, you know, chores when we were 14, 15 years old, you know, it was my job once a week to mow the lawns. And, you know, normally my mom or dad, like all kids, you know, I didn't really want to mow the lawn when I came home from school, but so dad or mom would say, Rod, get out there and mow the lawn. So you go like, you know, you're, oh, dad, you know, and you get out there and you mow the lawn and you're, un and you're unhappy and all this. I remember one day I came home and I just felt like mowing the lawn. You know what I mean? I just thought, I'm going to mow the lawn. Nobody has to tell me, I'm going to mow the lawn. This is great. I just feel good. Put on my Levi's. I'm going to get out there, start that lawn. I'm going to go mow the lawn. And I felt so happy about it. Do -do 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 -do, you know, just joyful. <laughs> I go out there and just as I get ready to start to mow the lawn, I just start to walk outside, go to the garage. My dad pulls in from work. Of course, he doesn't know that I'm about to mow the lawn. He said, Rod, he said, that lawn needs mowing. You better get to it, boy. And the moment he told me I had to mow the lawn, I was upset. <laughs> what I mean is, I didn't want to mow the lawn anymore. And it's the difference between law and grace. And this is what I mean. When all we tell you is you have to stop this. You have to start this. You need to do this. It produces a law kind of mentality. And there's no joy connected with it. But when somebody, when you really realize how much someone loves you, honestly. You want to do something for someone who is desperately in love with you. I mean, you just do. That's the whole issue of love. That's, love is what just makes your heart go, <gasps> oh well. But I mean, you want to. You don't have to. I mean, when, some, when you fall in love, and this is why you know, I always give the same old dumb illustrations, but, you know, when I first met Julie, I always tell the story about when I first met my wife. You know, I mean, you know, we men are funny. You know what I mean? You, you, I, coincidentally, I'm, by accident, made sure that I was wherever Julie was. You know what I mean? What I mean is Julie would be doing a prayer meeting on the other side of London, and I just happened to drive an hour and a half out of my way <laughs> and be over there and show up in a place where she was holding a prayer meeting. And I mean, you know, just, there's just something about when you are attracted to somebody. You, you got to understand, God is the one that created the principle of attraction. Now, don't anybody get mad at me, but I'm known for just being normal and real. Don't tell me that you're not attracted to things that are beautiful. I don't care if it's in the opposite sex. I don't care if it's in automobiles, clothes. You, it's in your nature to be attracted to something that's beautiful, isn't it? Isn't it? Don't be all holy and religious with me. It is. Where do you think that comes from? That comes from God. And we're called to communicate the beauty of His holiness. And this is why I say over and over again, if, if we preachers ever, ever really did slip up and do something right and really paint Jesus for who He really was, you would want Him. I mean, you'd want to get as close to Him as you could. But again, I said it in the very beginning, if you're only told law, 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 everything's a law, what you shouldn't do, and well, you better not do this, and well, you better not do that. See, there's a time for that, but first and foremost, the first thing you do with kids is you love them. All they know is mom. All they know is dad. And I mean, the moment they see, it just, you run to them. And this is what was supposed to be our first, our first 
you know, involvement with the things of God. We were supposed to have been shown how much God loves us. But unfortunately, so many of us were shown all kinds of other things, and we found ourselves being pulled away. I remember, like I said, when I, Julie doesn't like me telling this story, but I always tell the story about, is anybody in America, we call it puppy love. Do you remember, like, when you're, your first experience when you think you're in love, like when you're 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, does anybody here remember that besides me? Is anybody here honest? <laughs> does anybody remember when you're 10, 11, 12, 13, and you first see somebody, and you go, your heart goes, <gasps> you know what I mean? You just feel like you're, you're whatever. When I lived in America, there was a little girl who lived across the street. I was about 14 years old. She was 13. Her name was Sandy. But Sandy, you know, she was this beautiful little girl, and Sandy and I were just friends. We were just buddies, you know what I mean, what have you. But, you know, you don't know what love's about when you're 13 or 14, at least not in those days, not like it is today. We didn't have 12-year-old pregnancies in those days. But Sandy, you know, I, I just, man, I just thought the sun rose and the sun set with Sandy. I mean, I was, I was in love, I thought. You know, whatever love was, just, Sandy. I mean, I used to have my pen out, and, you know, you're at school. I don't know if maybe none of you were like it, but I can remember, I just write the letter S. <laughs> and I just look at it, man, I mean, Sandy. I mean, you know, oh. I mean, none of you guys were like that, right? None, none, of you, none of you are like that. You're, you're too holy, yeah. But I mean, you know, I mean, just, I just, I can remember, I mean, I just look, everything, everything I saw, if I saw the letter S, it, I, saw, I thought of Sandy. If I saw anybody with blonde hair, I thought of Sandy. I mean, I went to bed thinking of Sandy. I woke up, the first thought in my mind was Sandy. The first thing, the only thing I looked forward to was seeing Sandy. I mean, you know, Sandy, Sandy. I mean, the power of that stuff, man, was so strong. If you can remember how strong that was, it's, there was no emotion, there's, no, there's nothing, there's just nothing on planet Earth like that feeling. That every male and every female, when they're young in particular, when they first, like, they're just consumed by this. You see, the human heart is likened unto treasure in the Bible. And what happens is, is when we're very young, we, at some point, whether you're a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, you find somebody and you... You, you don't know not to. You give, you, your whole heart opens up, doesn't it? I mean, your heart just, <gasps> it's just wide open. And the Bible says the heart's likened unto treasure, particularly for the women. But the thing is, you open your heart so innocently, so completely, so fully. It's the greatest treasure that you have, your heart. You open your heart. Well, it's wonderful when you have all of that being reciprocated, and somebody loving you back. But how many of you now, you remember your first broken heart? You know what I mean? I tell you, there's no pain, there's no pain on planet Earth, in particular, like when you're 12, even when you're 12, you know, older parents will say, oh, honey, don't worry. I remember my dad, when this thing's happened between Sandy and I, my dad said, don't worry, son, time will heal everything. I didn't want to hear that. I figured I was going to die. I knew I was going to die. I figured I would just die. But the point is, nothing but nothing could compare with the pain of that broken heart. But this is the point. From that time forward, when you or I were introduced to somebody, there was a great hope that you could open your heart again. But this is what happens in human nature. Once you've experienced truly a broken, I mean a broken heart, it's the greatest pain there is, when you go to open your heart again to someone else, you never ever give it completely or fully. You always reserve just this much, just a little bit, 
you, you don't even know you do it, but you'll reserve just a little bit because you can't afford in your thinking, in your spirit, I can't afford to put myself in a place where I have to experience that level of pain again. And this is what happens through all of our lives. Now, in other words, we're brought up like this. This is the things that happen to us when we're kids. Then we come to the things of God, and you see, we begin to tell people that God will never leave you or forsake you. He's the lover of your soul. He is the highest expression of love that there is. He will never wound you, never harm you, never, ever, ever do anything to hurt you. I mean, Romans 13, 10 says categorically, love never hurts anybody, and God is love. And we tell people about that, and now what happens is people can't conceive that that's the truth because the only experience they've ever had with love has been on a worldly level.